0: So good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Mauer Report. First and foremost, we got to remember this show's—the views and opinions of the show—are those of the host and guest. Do not reflect any sponsor, uh, radio station, or anybody else. Just remember, their opinions. Good grief! So don't get bent out of shape if you do. Send me an email. I'll laugh. Next thing, if you haven't already pushed subscribe on your favorite podcast app, go ahead. And if you have, go ahead and. Leave a review, especially in Apple iTunes or excuse me, Apple Podcast. It is now. Uh, next week, I'll probably I'm going to start reading my favorite one that got left out during the week. So if you're over there on the uh, Apple Podcast, go ahead and le- write up a review for me and leave it there. And if you have not already checked out Ad Free Talk Radio, which is my site, so they're filling in for the sponsor this this week. Uh, go over and check that out. Best way to listen to the show in your car? Just go over to talkradio.com. My guest tonight is Dan Shaw, author of. Oh, I normally looked this up. But I didn't count because I seen there were so there's a different variety. How many books do you have out? You have four, five.
1: Uh, four major ones, some minor ones. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> major and minor ones. What 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 makes the differentiation here?
1: Well, some of them are, I would say, your full book length, and others are more. Mm, rep- like report, monograph length, uh, areas of special interest, regional guides to vortexes paranormal places,
0: okay, so we're gonna what's what's okay, so I brought up well, not not today, but I brought it up one right before either you sent me an email or I found you, but either way, I brought up vortexmaps.com, dot com and you have this earth globe or earth star globe, right, and I looked at yes. that and I said, I need to talk to this guy because that just blows my mind. Right.
1: right on. I thought the first time, I think I thought the same thing the first time I saw it, or maybe not. Maybe not the first time, but the second time I saw it, it. I blew me away. I'm the publisher of the Becker Hagens, Bill Becker and Beth Hagens, Earth Star Globe. It's a world map that folds up into a globe, and it shows the. Earth Grid, The Natural Geometry of the Earth. It's been featured in a number of books, so uh, your uh, listeners may uh, be familiar with the Earth star glow, but if not, they can head over to vortexmaps.com, and they can have some visual uh, aids while we have our conversation.
0: Yeah. As I say, if, if they haven't seen it, they need to see it, because, well, I'm sure you're aware of the flat Earth situation, Right. And the the globe, the globe people, and then I see Can this I say and the I controversy. Yeah, well, okay, you could say it. I won't say it. I I, I believe the Earth has more of a rail. I don't believe it's flat, one hundred percent flat, because I've yet to see an edge. Of course, I'm not a world traveler, <laughs> but I, I think today in the day and age of all the selfies, I'm pretty sure somebody would have walked up to an edge and took a picture by now.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of more inclined to think it may be hollow than than flat.
0: Well, hollow makes an for an interesting thing, doesn't it? Let's just think about what uh, we could do if we actually got down there to the hollow point, we could transport things a lot quicker.
1: Oh, good point, right. Like the wormhole from one side to the other, yeah.
0: That'd be phenomenal. Like that takes drop shipping to a whole nother level, but that's <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Okay, back back to being serious. So wh- <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. Well, maybe for maybe for a moment, and then we'll just we'll we'll teeter that line all well, show long.
1: It's a fun topic: paranormal vortexes, international, uh, interdimensional gateways. Uh, it's for me uh, part of the fun is the mystery of it, uh, but I definitely don't take myself too seriously.
0: So let's, let's rewind the tape back to the beginning. What got you interested in this all to start with?
1: Sure, uh, I had for some years been studying extraordinary healing tools and techniques extraordinary healing tools and techniques. And so that might be mm, not just acupuncture. Acupuncture's too ordinary. Maybe color puncture, uh, stimulating the acupuncture points with mm, electrical stimulation or, or color or sound or, you know, anything that was uh, kind of out of the mainstream. That was of interest to me. Uh, and I, uh, when I did come across these visionary maps, the earth star globe and and one other map I call Earth Star North America I took it as an assignment for me it seemed that divine guidance had placed these this information these maps in my hands at an extremely opportune moment and by opportune moment I mean days after my separation from my wife and two young children so in this moment when I was in crisis the people who were hosting me happened to bring out these maps and uh, it changed the course, the direction of my life, I would say forever. That was some 20 years ago or more. So I recognized it as a kind of extraordinary, these vortex maps, visionary maps, as a kind of extraordinary healing tool.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. But 20 years ago, I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to date that, but I know this is the reality of it, <laughs> right? We could. I'm old enough to know that there was a time where I just couldn't Google it, so I right. guess I'm dating myself. I'll date myself too in this conversation. So, I can't imagine there was a a litany of uh, information at the local library about this.
1: Well, at the time, it was pretty rare. You know, uh, you'd go to the used bookstore, and they'd have a section, and there'd be kind of the Stonehenge books you'd already seen, and this and that, and maybe one you hadn't seen before, and then you had to track things down through the bibliography and ordering books. And I love the research. Anything that I don't completely understand, I love it. And I thought that these visionary maps uh, of various kinds were somewhat rare. They seemed somewhat rare to me at the beginning, but now uh, they just, it seems like an endless, uh, almost a bottomless well of visionary maps. And I I use the term vortex maps more narrowly. Visionary maps are kind of broader because those would include, let's say, prophecy maps, which are those are a little out of my area. But uh, um, I'm fascinated by anything I don't completely understand. I saw these maps. To me, they're a kind of mandala or meditative tool. I spend a lot of time meditating on the geometry, the geometric relationship between the points and on the maps. And I can say definitely for me, it's been a spiritual journey working with these, these visionary maps.
0: So this is a totally different type of map and a, a totally different type of map, but it, kind of in the same relation to how you enjoy your maps. Um, I bought a bunch of topographical maps. Yeah. See the see the terrain, and just mm-hmm. you know, then you like especially locally, like you can you'll see them, and then you'll look at it and go, oh, okay, so that is. And then you go somewhere else and you can kind of, you know, place your mind, you know, oh, that's that hill, especially when you're you're hiking or out doing anything outdoors. You're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that one before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just enough mm-hmm. to know well, better.
1: Well, <laughs> it, 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 I think uh, just as looking at a geometric shape has uh, the harmonic proportions that help harmonize our brain waves, that there's a, there's a uh, our consciousness actually responds positively to harmonic proportions in music, art, and architecture. It changes our brain state to see these harmonic proportions. So, uh, just uh, in the same way, um, we, we can look at any map, uh, any map at all, in um, a meditative way, open to our what intuition might come, and open to the possibility that um, some. Uh Spiritual information can come through about the landscape
0: so this is a totally a me question. Yeah. my house has two front doors literally oh wow, literally eighteen inches apart. far out.
1: How but, does that affect your lifestyle? I mean we, any?
0: we use the one like ninety nine point nine percent of the time which one the one on the left?
1: As you're coming in the one on the left,
0: yeah, as you're coming in from outside, okay. so it'd be, be right from outside, I mean right from is inside, going out,
1: right from inside, going out, and do you is that one closer to where you park?
0: yeah, but again, we're only talking eighteen inches
1: well, right,
0: <laughs> right,
1: right, but this is to me it's vitally important. the house is a reflection of the self. As above, so below. There's no separation. What's true it's one level is true at all levels, yes? So uh, I would imagine that, you know, having two, two front doors does impact your life in some ways. You may be, you know, very open to new experiences, right? Welcoming lots of visitors. It's kind of ref- maybe reflected in your having a radio show. Um, for, for most Americans, I would say the issue about the front door is actually that, they're using the door from their garage more often than the front door. So the door from the garage becomes the front door. So on a subtle energy level, as you move through your house, as you look at how air flows through your house, how people move through your house, how your house, in effect, breathes, uh, you'll, you'll notice these, these patterns, these really vortexes, patterns of motion, Throughout your house, and if you change one thing, everything changes. If you have uh, a front door that you, you know, is blocked, that's going to impact. It's going to reflect your emotional state, and it's going to impact your emotional state. There's no separation. There's that reciprocal relationship of unity, really. And it's the same way with the built environment as it is with the natural environment. You can become sensitive to these very subtle variations from, you know, one hotel room to the next seemingly identical hotel room.
0: Yeah, because it it always has, I don't want to say puzzled me, but there have been a lot of times that I have um, sat out front or, well, mostly out front when I'm sitting on the porch and, you know, they're within eye range and you go, me being me, one door is sufficient in the middle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Well, ha- having two, it seems to me, it's almost like having a door that says push when you you can push it or pull it. I mean, it must be, or it says push when you need to pull. There's, It must be somewhat confusing to a visitor approaching your house to know whether these are, are these both leading to the same place or a different place? And if it were me, I might want to, to make some... Uh, adjustment to my front doors so that it would become more apparent that they that they, you have either option, that they both open into the same space so that my I would feel that my visitors are more comforted because I don't want people approaching my house to be or, uh, you know, or visiting my website <laughs> <laughs> to, to be confused about where, where to click and what to push.
0: But there is a good thing because they do look alike. So if somebody knocks on the, you know, knocks on the far door that we don't use that often, I kind of already know they're not not familiar.
1: Oh, okay, that's interesting. So, yeah, this is all part of, to my mind, this is all part of vortexes because vortexes for me are about my and your direct and total, complete connection to the energy of place. So having two front doors, I mean, that would be... It's an interesting experiment, as you learn. Like, if somebody knocks on the wrong door, uh, they're probably, uh, you know, they may be a stranger. And uh, um, if you were to, if somebody were to knock and you were to open the wrong door, and they're standing at the, <laughs> in other words, the door that they're not standing at, then you'd be, you know, you'd be welcoming your new visitor with, like, a moment of perplexity that would be, in effect, be unwelcoming. So, if you have these aspects in your home, your listeners, whether it's a... A, a blocked door, a blocked window, um, whatever it might be. If there's a place you're stubbing your toe, really important. Look at that, consider, reflect, ask your intuition, What is the? what does this mean on an emotional level? How is it impacting me in other ways? If I can do an experiment, if I can switch this, move this bed to the other side of the room or whatever it might be, there will be a cascade of impacts.
0: It is fascinating to think about. And you're kind of teetering on the next next question I'm getting into. My chatters have sent me about um, vor- vortexes versus mental health and the relationship to good outcomes and bad outcomes. They mentioned crime or overall positivity. Mm-hmm. As the, so is there a relationship? I'm, I'm, now I have heard kind of you've led me to this point of believing, yes, there is, but mm-hmm. how do we manipulate that so there's more good energy good things happening than bad things because well, i'm not explaining that
1: <laughs> oh you, you did perfect there's uh just the other day i heard a neurologist talking about how he had outfitted groups of uh walking tours with a uh, like a fitbit to measure their perspiration as they walked around a, a few city blocks and what he found was that uh uh, just by measuring perspiration, uh, he could track how people were responding to the, the urban landscape that they were walking through. So it's you have a direct and immediate effect on your consciousness. If you are sitting on the edge of a greenway and you're facing the street, you're going to be perspiring more. You're going to have more stress than if you turn and you face the greenway, the trees, and the, the, the natural world. So you can notice that in yourself at your next opportunity. There's this and the the field of vortexes for me is this immediate and direct connection between ourselves and our environment on an electromagnetic level, very visceral, real, practical, tangible electromagnetic level because we live in an electromagnetic environment, but also on so many other more subtle levels, the shape of the room you're in, the color of the place you're at. To me, these are all part of what I call the vortex effect, which is this intimate relationship, this relationship of unity that we have with our place. And so um, paranormal places, vortexes are paranormal places. Our consciousness is an integral part of that experience. We're moving through various environments, whether they're built or natural environments, they've got different kinds of energy. It's not just electromagnetic, but all kinds of energies coursing through them. We're in a turbulent sea of electromagnetic and other energies. And these do affect our physiology and our consciousness. So these uh, stories of pilots who get disoriented, they get lost, they're never found, etc. For me, totally plausible that, number one, that the some kind of an electromagnetic anomaly or other kind of a paranormal vortex affected their cognition, their consciousness, uh, how capable they were of flying an aircraft, as well as possibly affecting the electronics of the aircraft. And then, I think in in rare, but uh, occurrences uh, that uh, sometimes do happen, that people uh, may disappear through an interdimensional doorway where... They have no way of finding their way back.
0: So I've got a statement, and then I've got a question. You can comment on my statement if you want, but if not, I understand. You mentioned about environment and green space. You know, there's nothing in this. I I love trees, right? Don't get me wrong. But when they slap them in the middle of a parking lot and a curb, and they look so just used because, you know, you need green space in your parking lot, and It just yeah. feels so unnatural, and so it just, sorry, just grinds my gears. Just for the no, record.
1: that's right. We live in an environment that is where we've made cars primary. So we're living in essentially like a car, a desert of cars, and we have to we have to cross these massive parking lots when we park to get. Even if we've got small children, right? We're crossing this massive parking lot to get to our supermarket or wherever it might be in America. Now, in other countries, they might provide parking spaces for families with young children right there at the curb. Um, Obviously, our parking lots are lacking shade, they're lacking trees, and trees need an area, uh, you know, essentially equivalent to their canopy for their roots to spread and absorb moisture. So putting a tree in a parking lot, it's pretty futile exercise. Now, Uh your question...
0: But it makes people feel better. Actually, my question just got doubled up. So <laughs> w, wr250 just kind of doubled up. He didn't even know where I was going because I haven't mentioned it yet. And there's a delay between what I'm saying and what they're hearing. So we're just going to double down on my question. Uh, you were mentioning about people just disappearing randomly, and the first thing that came to my yep. mind, not gonna lie, is the Bermuda Triangle. And then he yep. pops in about when travels travel or when pilots travel a distance to cut time or cut time and fuel by twenty to fifty percent going through the Bermuda Triangle. Is it? I mean, also, yeah. It says they cut travel distance and cut fuel and time when they go through there. How does that? I mean, is that just? How does that work? Is that even okay?
1: Well, I'm. I'm not. I'm. I would say I'm partly on board with that question slash statement. So uh, here, here's um, what I'm hearing in the, that question. Yeah. There's uh, time and space in my opinion, are actually part of the illusion of our limited perception. When you have a mystical experience or when you, you uh, hear a mystic relate their experience, all separation, all distance, all time and space collapses so that everything's happening at once. So the visionaries tell us that there is no time or space. Now, if, uh, if electromagnetism has an effect on time and space which I believe that it does then you know time is not absolute it's possible to uh, collapse time to accelerate time to have lost time time um, I don't know, what are the words uh, time slips these things are all highly likely and possible and have been credibly reported in the literature there's Bruce Gunon who flew through some kind of a uh, feature that did look like a vortex it was a, like a spiraling tunnel uh, pilot in the bermuda triangle area, and he lived to tell about it, which not everybody does but there's there are profound geophysical forces at work in the area of the bermuda triangle long list of them, long list of contributors to the electromagnetic field so it 's a highly uh, dynamic, turbulent place electromagnetically and, to my mind, entirely possible, one, for instruments to malfunction, but also for people to have time slips and to either have lost time or to gain time. And Bruce Clarendon claims that he gained time and that he did travel a distance that would have been impossible under ordinary circumstances.
0: So is that the most famous place that we, that, that you've come across that I'd, I'd know off the top of my head? or I mean, you mentioned Stonehenge earlier.
1: Well, yeah, the Bermuda Triangle is the poster child of vortexes, but it is just one of numerous vortexes that are distributed around the world in a geometric pattern. Uh, the Earth Star Globe is based on the geometry of the icosahedron and the dodecahedron. Yes, so these two simple platonic so-called platonic geometric shapes they're a pair they they nest perfectly one has points where the other has faces so you combine those two now you've got these 62 points around the world they're not all the Bermuda triangle but they're the same and similar really there's no separation between them and the Bermuda triangle they're in this geometric net or pattern around the world a grid pattern and they're essentially everywhere. It's something like you could say fractal in that there's, there's self-similarity in the patterns as you zoom in. So right where you are sitting now, uh, in your home, in your neighborhood, there are places where the electromagnetic energy, for whatever reason, it changes from one location to another. Maybe it's ore and mineral deposits underground. Maybe it's a river flowing by, a body of water. Uh, any of these various components of the electromagnetic field. As you move from one into the next, there's going to be some subtle, perhaps, but profound physiological changes in your body. I would say measurable and then other more subtle uh, changes in your body. So you you might in the past have been able to feel crystal energy or magnet energy or the energy of a Reiki heel or something like that. If that's the case, and even if you haven't been able to feel those kinds of subtle energy, you may still be able to feel the energy of the place actually, in some places, actually welling up out of the ground like a spring, only a spring of energy rather than water. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I got you. I'm following you. Um, Yeah. So my chatters are talking about the vortex in Alaska, and apparently I've been out to lunch and missed that all. I mean...
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, (laughs) Great, so, thank you, Chatters. Uh, I'm well, on my way couple, well, now to wait. Anchorage.
0: Actually, well, hold on. I've, uh, Cat Ward, that has, has I can't talk to that. Cat Ward had you on Paranormal Heart, and Brian Bowden yep. had you on his show, so they're both in there. Yep. So they're—I I don't want to say they're throwing me softballs to throw to you, but they're. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they are. But I think they, they have a genuine interest because they're, they're sitting here saying that you were one of their favorite guests, and they're glad I'm having you on finally. Because oh, very so. kind.
1: Yes, yeah, so there's never enough time. The Alaska Vortex, if I can jump right into that. Yeah, go ahead. Is, back uh,
0: on, ta- back it, on task. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's an area that is notorious for disappearances. And I don't agree that the, the triangle that's been identified in the popular literature is kind of an awkward triangle. I'm not necessarily on board with that but i have appeared on the history channel on brad Meltzer's decoded season two episode 13 about the alaska devil's triangle
0: hit pause for a second brad i want you on the show your pr lady says you're too busy i know you've got an hour (laughs) go ahead sorry
1: (laughs) do it brad (laughs) uh so yeah so brad had a show called decoded they were doing the alaska triangle i had an opinion that Yes, could be vortexes. So I have looked into the uh, alleged Alaska Triangle, and there are definitely grid points that are significant, and a lot of geophysical processes going on, and and, uh, turbulent and and dramatic electromagnetic field there. I'm headed from here, which is Seattle today, to Anchorage in a couple days, and then Homer to do uh, a couple presentations and some research on... The vortexes in Alaska, as I say, they're everywhere and wherever you have a dramatic landscape or a change in elevation, uh, anything like this, you can be aware there is this electromagnetic field going on and maybe you can sense it in some subtle ways in your body. I get a tingling in my face sometimes, third eye. Uh, Some people will use um, pendulum or dowsing rods in order to sense these energies and then to help uh, you uh, maybe organize your home office, or or to adjust the energy on your property. That's something I do as well.
0: So I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to challenge you, but I just want to. I'm just curious about Wait. how this all plays off. We're we're saying these vort, vortices, especially Alaska. What's a, we're just going to cue this around this one for a minute. But I mean, sure. Alaska. I mean, people could wander off and just you know,
1: right? Bear right, can by a bear. Yeah. yeah.
0: So how are we confirming that it's these vor- versus just my friend Smokey the Bear?
1: Right. Well, I'm, I'm not proposing that every disappearance is, is <laughs> okay. based on a vortex. That's I know. Not, not my way at all. <laughs> I've experienced some miracles in my life, and after being introduced to these visionary maps, I went out and got a Bachelor of Science in Geography so that I could better understand and explain these ideas. So I have had some paranormal experiences in my own life for sure but there are if i if i've been asked is there an indication that there could be vortexes going on in alaska and of course it just seems like there's every indication in terms of you've got the dramatic landscape you've got the uh, oceanic plate subducting under the continental plate there, pushing up those mountains creating the volcanoes You've got all that going on. You've got the magnetism of the lava. You've got a certain geometric relationship between a certain point in Alaska and the Great Pyramid in Egypt, which, um, if you were to inscribe a square inside of the Earth with one point on the Great Pyramid, and then the line up and over the pole, you'd come around to essentially at... Uh, 90 degrees out of a 360 circle. You'd come to a certain point in Alaska, so you could argue that there's a point in Alaska which is geometrically related to the Great Pyramid, and there is some research that shows that there's a essentially an equator, a circle of ancient monuments around the world, an ancient equator pointing to a point in Alaska as an ancient North Pole, Hmm. you'll need a minute maybe to digest. All yeah, that. there's but a lot of, in, in, uh, I'm still holding the my globe website. and
0: draw, holding the cube yeah. in it, trying to, I'm like Alaska. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it's a bit highly maybe? visual, but if you go to vortexmaps.com, <laughs> you'll see some information about there, et cetera. And I'll be coming out with one of my monographs, uh, the Alaska Vortex Maps, after I've been there, talked to people, been on the landscape. I'll be uh, selling this as an ebook through vortexmaps.com for a couple bucks.
0: So now this this is a half baked question but I'm going to ask it. So you have you have a major major one and then the area surrounding it has a bunch of minor ones?
1: Yes, there's there's I would say everywhere is a vortex in its own way. You could be in the plainest, most undifferentiated landscape, I don't care if it's, you know, the Great Salt Flats, whatever it might be. You've got electricity in the air, whether it's negative ions, which are Beneficial for our health, health and uplifting, or positive electrical ions in the air, which are bad for our health, or it may be um, underneath the surface. You may have, um, or in mineral deposits, or um, ancient river beds that have placer gold. Such so um, everywhere. There, there are vortexes, and as you move from a valley to a mountaintop, you're moving, you're moving your energy field through the energy fields of the Earth, and this has an impact on our cells. We know that birds, bees, and fish have a magnetic sense, magnetoreception it's called. They migrate by magnetoreception. And we know that humans have magnetite, a magnetic mineral in every cell of their brains, and more in the area of the sinuses or third eye. So there's potential mechanism for humans to have magneto reception, which is, you know, that would be a sixth sense, I would say.
0: Well, you're really fun. You're, you're, you know, I, I get thinking, and then you just stop, and I go, oh, yeah, that's my job again here. Um <laughs>
1: Well, I was wondering if we go into the next segment on that, but uh,
0: no. Well, go yeah, ahead, um, yeah, because like I said, the, I, I'm I'm just taking it in and trying to chew it up as you're talking about it. And, and, right, right. Well, there's <laughs>
1: uh, I, I kind of have to spread everything out on the table and then kind of show you, like, here's the first course, here's the second course, because there's there's definitely several parts uh, to this premise, this hypothesis, and that is that. Um, our human energy system is affected by, for better or worse, affected by the electromagnetic field that surrounds us. Yes, so that's part yeah. one, that, we, that we're affected by. It has an effect on us, the vortex effect. Also, that we can be consciously aware of it. We can actually sense it. That's part of it. And then the next part is that we contribute to it. We're, part of, we're not separate from it. We're part of it. We have this relationship of unity with our place. We are influenced by the energies of the place. We're drawn to the coast or to Hawaii or wherever it might be, the mountaintops. But also there's this reciprocity. The place is also affected by our presence there. We, can, we affect the energies of the place. And then, of course, we can build monuments with energetic materials, whether it's the Bluestone Quarry at that provided the stones to be transported that great distance to Stonehenge or any of these other ancient monuments around the world, they were built apparently with a knowledge of energetic materials and of these geophysical energies. So they were built with layering of materials that had different electrical properties. There's the pink quartz and the granite, or there's the the blue stones, or there's the mica in the, the Mesoamerican pyramids so energetic materials uh, uh, an understanding of how we can work with these geophysical energies and building monuments even including the cathedrals to enhance these earth energies for our own healing for our psychic opening and for harmonizing the planet
0: so you just led me to where I, where I second I wanted to go with this because I, I you know I'm sitting here and I've got all this electronic stuff around me yep internet computer. TVs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're just throwing. I'm just literally throwing electric energy, EMF. Oh, you know, i just throwing it because you know I want to do this.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: so how yep. do I? And that's true. I mean, true. I mean, I'm, I'm not the only one doing this. There's a bunch of people listening to me that are have throwing stuff around like they just don't care. But I love them for <laughs> it. <laughs> but nevertheless, <laughs> you you mentioned turning it and turning things in the positive energy. Well, this, I'm yep. sure this is all good positive energy because we're doing this, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Watch your tone, young man. Uh, this is, of course, a corollary to the <clears throat> one of the principles of alchemy is that anything that can heal can kill. I consider myself a student of alchemy and geomancy, earth magic, and the geomancy is a subset of alchemy, the principles of alchemy, As above, so below. Everything is vibration. The principles of alchemy also apply to geomancy. So one of these principles is that anything that has any potency at all, a hammer, an aspirin, (laughs) can heal or it can kill. So these earth energies may be beneficial for us at some times, in some places, and not others. The natural energies. Um, uh, But what about the man-made energies? What about if you are in a room right now, Jim, which is rectangular. Are you?
0: Yes, actually, I am. R- I was, just, I was just, roughly, just checking to make sure because I couldn't remember. Roughly,
1: <laughs> roughly rectangular room. That room is right now, even if it sounded absolutely silent, you know that you've got some room noise.
0: Oh, yeah, <clears> there's room noise.
1: Producer guy, there's room <laughs> noise. So, so that. Room noise is the result of the harmonic proportions of your room that you're in. It's very much like the resonating resonating chamber of a violin. The air is vibrating at a certain frequency based on those dimensions. And if you were in a round room, be very, very different. Say you're under a dome. If you're standing at the edge of the dome, you have one energy at the edge, as you move to the center, you've got a very different energy at the center of the dome. In a square room, these vibrations, the acoustic vibrations, are part of the vortex effect, part of the electromagnetic spectrum. These can be harmonic for you, or they can be dissonant. And this this is important. You're an audio guy. You may be sensitive, more sensitive than you realize to the actual dimensions of your room. But in terms of electromagnetism, of course, um, we're interfering with the natural, let's call it the naked or, or pure, unadulterated electromagnetic field of the Earth. We're creating, in effect, electromagnetic pollution. And, you know, it's not even going into the whole 5G controversy, but from my standpoint, uh, any kind of artificial or man-made field has the potential to take us out of our natural God-given harmony. In fact, uh, I'm sure there are folks who are specializing in electromagnetic weaponry. We have some of those, and uh, these other chaotic energies in our environment can't be good for us either. So uh, this is part of my work. I I, uh, do assess uh, the the man-made electromagnetic pollution as part of what I do for people in harmonizing their space, and there are uh, things you can do to to alleviate those electromagnetic stresses. Um, you probably don't need your Wi-Fi router to be the strongest possible signal. You're probably sitting pretty close to it. Maybe you could rearrange the antennas or use only one antenna or use the low power setting or put it on a timer so it goes off at night. And perhaps you'll sleep better if you do that. And then <clears throat> there are other, you know, if you have an electrical meter on the other side of the wall from your bed you might want to move your bed farther away you can get a tri-field meter to read those kinds of electromagnetic pollution kinds of fields so those man-made fields yes, it is a vitally important component of what we're experiencing here and of of my Vortex work
0: okay, so because we're already almost 40 minutes in and I know this next 20 is going to just go we're going to fall off a cliff uh, you've, meant, you've mentioned hey. vortexmaps.com, but I'm going to give you the opportunity here to give me that nice, clean yep, promo for yourself. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Okay. I'm Dan Shaw. I'm the Vortex Detective, and I invite you to contact me, either my website ask at danshaw.com or through vortexmaps.com. When you send me an email, I'll send you a free ebook on paranormal vortexes and I will answer every email.
0: This he does, because that's how he got on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Brian Bowden is begging me. I should just, I should probably just skip it and make him beg me, but I'm not going to do that. I won't be mean no, to No, no,
1: no. Tell him tell him he has to invite me back.
0: Well, he wants wants me to talk about Gordon Vor I need to vortex. talk. Gordon golden vortex. vortex, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. meters. Sure. So,
1: Brian, happy to come back on on, on your show, Brian. Uh, the golden vortex is a device, a pendant size arrangement of magnets, invented by my co-author Nick Nelson, which seems to replicate, in some degree, a natural vortex. So, not to muddy the waters here, but after studying magnets all his life hoping that uh, he might build a magnetic motor. Nick has uh, found that uh, a magnet doesn't just have two poles, but each of those poles has a number of different domains. So Nick understands magnets uh, perhaps in a more subtle way than most people. He was able to create an arrangement of magnets which effectively creates a vortex. That's called the golden vortex. And he intended it for healing purposes. It's available from... Uh, vortexmaps.com for about 50 bucks, and people report all kinds of the beneficial health effects from the Golden Vortex. Nick himself had um, tinnitus ringing in the ears, and he finds it's only relieved by being at a natural vortex. Um, however, I've got another friend with tinnitus. He finds that the Golden Vortex device does actually change the volume frequency of the bringing in his ears. So uh, it's guaranteed for 30 days. It does uh, seem to help people's health in many ways. And it does seem to recreate this effect of vortexes, which we call the shrink and grow effect. And if you and a friend are on a level surface, a couple feet apart, one of you, if you stand on a north-south line, Jim, face your friend, face each other, notice where you're standing Notice how that person looks to you as they're standing there. Say you're at the north, they're at the south. Just stand, look at each other, notice how you look. Notice where you're standing. Change places then. Step into each other's footprints, again, on this north-south line, and compare how it looks once you've changed places. You may find, especially at an energetic spot, uh, if you've got a, like a favorite magical little place in the woods or something like that, Level spot as you possibly can. You may be able to visually see a shrink and grow phenomenon. It's visible to the participants. It's visible to an observer. has nothing to do with forced perspective or any kind of ordinary optical illusion. We see it at these genuine vortexes around the country that are open as tourist attractions. There's eight of them, including the Santa Cruz Mystery Spot. They show this thing called the shrink and grow. You can see endless photos at uh, my website. YouTube of people doing the shrink and grow phenomena. I was a tour guide at the Montana vortex for three seasons. I've done this shrink and grow demonstration experiment hundreds of times, hundreds of times. And I will tell you, it is not replicable in that it does seem to be different every time. Depending on the cycles of the place and the individual, we get different results. But that's something you can try at a natural vortex it's something we can replicate with this device called the Golden Vortex.
0: Uh, Dan, I love you. You're not good for business, but that's what I need.
1: Um, Love you too, Jim.
0: Brian mentioned that he... I don't don't want to go into the details. It's not my place, but he's dealing with a loss of a loved one, and he'll be back to you shortly as soon as he gets himself together.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I'll just say... We we have a we have a name, what what do, we, what do we call an hour on the Jim Mallard show? On the Jim Mallard report. The Mallard Report. Yeah. We call it, an hour would be a good start.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard that a lot and that's why that's why I like it because it's a good right start. On. And and yeah, no, if brilliant. people get tired of waiting for me to bring you back, there's other great shows out there, they can go listen to them and oh, I can bring you back and pick up the conversation. Right. Like, a lot of great stuff. Okay, so this right. one well, I'd com- love
1: to pick it up, and again, uh, you know your listeners can contact me directly too. I invite them to.
0: So this question comes from another one of these people that should contact you and just ask their own <laughs> questions. but since I'm in front of the microphone and have you apparently, it's my night to to pick up the pieces for people. This one <laughs> comes from Cat Ward. Um, she was <laughs> recently on a paranormal investigation and occur- she encouraged encountered on the property that she felt like she was walking through Jello. As she was getting closer to an electric fence, it went away after a few hours. Could she have been sensing a vortex?
1: I would say yes, though people generally often respond uh, or sense these energies as heat or coolness. It could feel like a push or a pull on the palm of your hands. If you're using the palm of your hands to sense the energies of the ground, you can kind of walk across the ground and just hold your palm above the ground and you may see if you sense a change in energy. Some people get tingling like pins and needles and so that getting closer to an electric fence that's a brilliant description and uh, uh, it's important for I think um, I I feel it's important for your listeners to be aware that if they sense a change in their emotional state or in their Um, energy level or how they're feeling um, that they can't necessarily attribute to something going on in their environment that they might just remind themselves that it may be attributable to the place itself Uh, place carries and holds energy and emotion there's a reason why people visit graveyards and battlefields and battleships, and et cetera, there's a reason. Places hold energy. There's a reason somebody thinks that they can make a million dollars by reselling Trump's childhood home, or uh, uh, the, a space suit that was worn by some or a baseball card that was signed. We have a belief that things hold energy. And when you tap in on an energy level, on a subtle level, you can read the energy off of things. And you may be picking up, if you're what I call a bad empath, you may be unwittingly picking up the energy of people around you or from the earth itself. Maybe there was something um, tragic that happened at a certain place. Sometimes people move into a house where there was a contentious divorce and that energy remains and it's important to bring in somebody who's sensitive to these energies to work with them, get that energy out of the house so that that's not vibrating in on you and your relationship.
0: Yeah, there's often places that I walk in and go, whoa. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, I'm one of these people too. I don't know if that's going to be better or different.
1: Techniques? Do you have any techniques for, for dealing with that? Do you to strengthen your aura or smudge or drums or...
0: Depends on, you know, where I'm at, obviously. If I can't just get a light and sage everywhere I go. I mean... Right. <laughs> that'd be fun, though. I probably would oh, get yeah. asked back a lot of places if I just did that. <laughs> this might be the new... Thing. <laughs> it's the new gym. <clears throat> wait, this might... Wait, wait this might work. Um, no. <laughs> but now, you, you know, as you feel this bad energy, you, you kind of, for the lack of a better explanation, put the guard up and just try to keep... Keep out what's there and get done what you're doing there and get out of there.
1: Right. Well, there are techniques of psychic self-defense. Generally, people um, can easily learn to uh, enhance their aura, their energy field through breathing, visualization, uh, movement. There's an infinite number of ways, really, to strengthen one's aura. And uh, this electromagnetic mm, cocoon that we're in can be damaged even by just harsh words. So uh, you can learn techniques of psychic self-defense to strengthen your aura, protect yourself from these uh, influences, these external so-called external influences.
0: And uh, WR250 in the chat room just mentioned psychic vampires, which I Mm -hmm. imagine that is probably the greatest threat to humanity. People trying to steal other people's energy. Uh, well, maybe mm-hmm. not the greatest threat to humanity. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. Well,
1: <laughs> there's. I I agree that there is a battle between light and dark going on in plain sight on Earth and at unseen, let's say, unseen levels as well. So, there's. I would say there are psychic vampires and they are people who do not experience that they can receive their energy directly from source. So to them I say, an infinite amount of energy is available everywhere, all the time, directly from source. You don't have to turn to other people to be your sources of energy.
0: I I agree. But you know, there are some people that are just... uh, yeah, there's just people out there. <laughs> sure,
1: sure. Um, we're, we're, my work is energy work. It's important for me to be aware of my energy at all times. To notice when I'm allowing other people to sap my energy, and uh, to know whether you know it's a altruism or if I'm kind of martyring myself to make sure that that energy is in balance. And obviously, there's a kind of vampirism that's happening. With the planet, with its extracting minerals, that can't be good for the subtle energy of the planet. Channeling rivers, damming rivers, uh, these can't be good for the subtle energy of the planet. A uh, laying railroad track, that railroad track is just like any other antenna, vibrating at a certain frequency, interfering with the natural energies of the landscape. So, like sound, there's only very few quiet places left on Earth. The same would be true for the electromagnetic field i think
0: also very few dark places left on Earth. similar same thing mm-hmm. yeah we're
1: that dark that's part of the vortex effect <laughs> we need that dark as much as we need light and we don't want to um, um starve ourselves for sunlight or for dark or for moonlight with for that matter uh, i think it's really important for your listeners uh, to look around their environment to do what they can to make sure that they are sleeping in the dark and exposing themselves, to if if they're exposing themselves to any light at all at night, hopefully that is moonlight, because that is part of being in touch with the natural cycles. So happy New Year to everybody <laughs> celebrating New Year. Speaking of natural cycles and moon cycles.
0: Yeah, it's just, yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about the moon being, you know, because you always think about the vitamin D from the sun, da-da-da-da-da, right? Uh
1: Uh Well, uh, from an alchemical standpoint, uh, that light from the moon is is particularly special and energetic for certain purposes. It might be energizing water for um, tinctures, elixirs, something like that, to water your garden, plants and animals for yourself. Um, uh, But that moonlight is going to help regulate your cycles whether you are female or male to uh, we we find ourselves i believe too divorced from these natural cycles so if we can be more aware of the moon exposing ourselves to the moonlight uh, we're going to be more in tune with those natural cycles we're going to have a better relationship we'll be better oriented to our place
0: well, I, I, you're, you're saying the natural cycles. I'll just take it to the, the, the bold headline level. We're just too divorced from nature, period.
1: That is, I think, the, the great malaise of the industrial age is that people feel um, a separation they have the illusion of separation from their place. They they can take certain actions, they can send stuff to the landfill because they have this illusion of separation, but the mystic experience, that experience of direct connection with the divine, is an experience of unity, that there is no separation between you and me, or between you and your place. You're breathing the air, you're maybe leaving some dna around in various ways you scrape against a tree leave some skin cells you're leaving part of yourself in the place and you are taking some of the place every place you've ever been you are bringing that with you you're carrying that vibrational frequency and that energy
0: so you you, you're a fun guy and you've studied the map so i have a fun question for you i asked um I totally forgot the guy's name, Robert Quatler, Cl- the, of the he's the narrator of Oak I- or Oak Island. Oh and I and I asked him I said, I'm gonna give you the strangest Oak Island theory that you've ever been given. This is a guy, who, you know, mm-hmm. deals with this. And he's like, Okay, try me. And I said <laughs> Yeah. You know, like he sort this is all too familiar to him. And I said <laughs> Oak Island is shaped like a duck. And he went okay. You know, I haven't heard that one before. And I said, you, I know, because cause my last name is Mallard, so I get these duck things going on. you know. And gotcha. then I seen that one night gotcha. when I was sitting there, laying there watch, watching it on TV, and I put, you know, pushed pause on the TV, and I'm like, that island is shaped like a duck.
1: Okay. Go
0: and on. the Mallard duck has the white little ring around its neck, and if you look right there where the swamp is, it looks like a white little ring going through his neck, right above where it goes <laughs> out into the head.
1: Brilliant. Okay, that opens up a whole new range of visionary maps, which I love. I'm I'm most interested in geometric maps, matches, maps of the natural geometry of the Earth, maps of the geometric relationship of ancient monuments, etc. Most interested in those. But there's this whole other area of visionary maps that include these maps that are Uh, zoomorphic in the shape of animals or anthropomorphic sometimes in the shapes of profiles of faces and this kind of thing and these are important in the way that Joseph Campbell describes myth as being important now you can ask about the accuracy of these ley lines and vortex maps accuracy to me it is important but it's also important the meaning that myth gives so if you have a piece of property whether it's oak island or your own home or or business property that is evocative of a face or an animal this gives meaning to the place Um, i'm headed up to alaska alaska seems to have legs and so it would have like knees and feet and hips seems to have that kind of Uh, You know, you've got the Aleutian Islands going out one way, and then you've got the other part dropping down on the east uh, coast. So, I haven't fully explored this Alaska um, visionary map, uh, the way you're describing, exactly because it's kind of kite-shaped. It doesn't really look like a person with a head and torso, It's kind of just the bottom. It's almost like the bottom half of a person, if this is making any sense. Italy looks like a boot. Africa looks like a horse's head. These are not just fanciful, um, but they can actually help you be oriented to your place. You told somebody, like, I'm going to the boot of Italy, they know where you're going. Or rather, the heel, the heel of the boot. If you told them the heel of the boot, the toe of the boot, they would know. So it does, even though it seems fanciful, it does give meaning to the place. And so that could be important. and But I'm not sure how that, where the unless you are like, oh, well, um, Francis Bacon used this, the swan as his uh, mascot. And so, you know, maybe it's a swan like that. Then there might be some, you could kind of follow that theory along. The landscape might have been reshaped to better match the crest of the Baconian crest or some such thing.
0: Not there yet, but it's just worth, it's just that just that, you know, the thing you go, hmm, is that just how erosion has taken place for these years, or am I just, you know, something to it? I don't know.
1: Right. Well, we are pattern-recognizing beings, and we have this tendency to impose pattern where there is none so it's important for me if i look at a, a pattern on a map to see some confirmatory secondary pattern and not just to be imposing artifices upon artifice but to actually find that confirmation but even so these you know if you see a certain thing in the landscape on a map that can help you create a myth around the place and relate to the place and give it meaning. So that can be very useful. I'm not sure, uh, you know, if Oak Island is a duck where that says where the treasure is hidden, but it, you know, it's a uh, landscape um, that we have, we have changed the landscape in unimaginably massive ways in ancient prehistory. So it, it boggles the mind uh, when you do see the size of these man-made structures, for example, we found man-made uh, channels uh, that are, uh, are seemingly like pre-Columbian water channels, etc., of a massive scale on the southern coast of the United States. And, you know, around the world, we find these monuments of just massive scale. So, you know, it's, pl- to my mind, plausible that Oak Island might have been reshaped in the shape of a duck, for example, in pre-industrial times, by massive effort.
0: Well, if they went to the effort to bury the treasure, why not make make the shape special? Okay, Dan. Hey, safe yeah. tra- safe travel to Alaska. Thanks for joining Thank me. You. The, this hour went way too fast. So, as usual, I tell people, look forward to having you back on. I look forward to hearing you on the other people's shows. Right so.
1: on. Thanks so much for your great work.
0: Well, thank you, thank you for your great work. Mine pales in comparison.
1: Yeah, well, we're we're all in the perfect place doing our dharma.
0: Thank you, sir. Have a good Have a good evening.
1: Thank you. Right back at you. Talk to you soon. I hope.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. So, hey, before we run out of time officially, I want to thank everybody who's listening live, and especially the people that join me on the, the the pond tonight. That's wr two fifty Cat Ward, uh, Paranormal Heart. Go check it out. Facebook, find her there. Uh, hairlines, hairlines, yeah, Sampson, it's Sampson, there we go, uh, the German Germantown Runner, uh, for sure, always good to have him here, also good to have Brian Bowden here, just know that I'm always thinking about you, Brian, and if you ever need anybody to talk to, you know I'm around, so clear that up, I seen Roy in earlier, um, good to see him as well, anybody I missed because I wasn't paying attention throughout the course of the show, it was good to see you as well. If you have not been to Mauer.com, you need to come over. Big list of places you can subscribe. If you haven't subscribed on the place you're listening now, hit subscribe. Like I said, I'm reading my favorite new Apple podcast review to start the show next week. So go over and leave one. And for that, have a good night.
1: Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis.